Monday afternoon live stream. I'm Bobby Burton, joined by Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton, brought to you by MyPerfectFranchise.net. Hook them, guys. Uh, guys, we've got a lot of news going on this afternoon. It's kind of a crazy time, I think, uh, for Longhorn fans getting ready for the uh, uh, game in the Sugar Bowl, uh, January 1 at 745. Uh, also, the portal is open. Recruiting mm. is closed, coming to an end at least the first end of it, right, Jerry? Yeah. Uh, with the, with the, the uh, first signing day, then the second signing day. The first signing day will be on December 20th, where the majority of Longhorn future Longhorns will sign. There is a second signing day, which is the first Wednesday in February, which will be February 7th of 2024. Uh, but overall, right now, a lot of focus, guys, given to the portal. Uh, I just put up a report on Inside Text a few minutes ago that uh, – the Longhorns right now, I know it looks like there's a lot of movement uh, for Texas in the portal, uh, including a, a report from On3 earlier today that Juice Wells would be making an official visit to Texas or expected to be on campus to, uh, this weekend at Texas. Uh, but I'm told that that visit's not happening. Uh, he, he may come in next week or something, but that's not going on. Uh, I think uh, some people, including ourselves, maybe as reporters, need to slow down a little bit on portal recruiting for the Longhorns because frankly they're they're taking a wait and see attitude it sounds like a little bit they want to see who all's in the portal they don't feel like they need to be rushed they feel like they built a program that can last and uh last the test of time uh and truly make sure people fit the culture of what they're building yeah. they like their current roster Rod and Jerry so what's the rush right that's their feeling and, and you know they're not going to just they're not looking to you know, they're not looking to cull the roster largely. I mean, right. there will be guys that leave. I mean, one person left today, Isaiah Nayor, the transfer wideout from Wyoming, who never really played much at all for the University of Texas. He put his name in the portal today. Um, so all in all, right now, guys, it's kind of this crazy spot where Texas is trying to figure out exactly who they want in the portal, who all is going in. There's been a report out there that Texas is after Matthew Golden. Well, Matthew Golden's not officially in the portal. So the University of Texas hasn't contacted him yet. So, I mean, there's a lot of things going on right now that people need to uh, understand and get correct. Uh, but the, the one thing that I was told is, look, we're going to find people that we want and go from there. Uh, we like our team. We like who we are. We like the, the, the roster. We like the culture that's been built and grown and there's no reason to be haphazard, I guess is the best word uh, about how we build this going forward. Uh, Jerry, I, I want you to, I want to start with you first. I mentioned Isaiah Nayor in the portal, anything else happening as far as the Longhorns in the portal today that, that you're aware of other than Juice Wells not visiting after thinking he was going to visit uh, Wells telling uh, Pete Nakos of on three that he was visiting Texas this weekend. Yeah, yeah, nothing new to add there. Uh, we we followed up. We uh, ran uh, a story of per Pete Nakos at on three that uh, uh, that Juice Wells is expected to visit this weekend. Obviously, that is not going to happen now. Things change fastly too. That's the other thing, Bobby. Things change quickly in the portal, right? I mean that that is a quick changing business right now. Uh, Texas staff on the road uh, on the high school level making in home visits uh, today. Uh, Sark and his staff have been out all week on the road, uh, making visits. Uh, that I think 
That began Monday with Sark at, with Brandon Baker out west. Then I believe it shifted. He was out in Arizona uh, with Christian Clark and Santana Wilson, right? And then they, the staff's been moving all around. He has a lot of in-home visits. Then he was in Dallas Thursday night with Xavier Filsami, the five-star committed to Florida. Uh, Zena uh, Omozulo, obviously the uh, edge committed to Allen, brother of Neto. Um, Parker Livingstone. Uh, he's going to be see Daniel Cruz next week. You're going to see Trey Owens, uh, Jordan Washington, Nate Kibble. I mean, all those guys next week, Melvin Hills. Uh, Sark's got a big Monday, um, as we've been reporting at Inside Texas. He's got a big Monday on the road. That is um, uh, DeAndre Robinson in Orlando Monday, IMG Monday, and Solomon Williams, the four-star edge from Carroll Wood Day on Monday as well. Uh, before finishing up with some other guys, Ryan Wingo tomorrow per Justin Wells. Uh, uh, Sarko is scheduled to be in St. Louis area on Saturday. So this uh, this staff is on the move, making those in-home visits. Oh, next Tuesday, by the way, which uh, I report on Inside Texas, was the Colin Simmons and Alex January uh, next Tuesday. So staff's on the road, seeing top targets, seeing commits. Uh and seeing, uh, obviously, Char Choice uh, was with uh, Jarrett Gibson Thursday, yesterday at IMG as well. All right, Doug, we're going to take y'all's questions this hour, uh, talk a little Longhorn football. Rod, I got to ask you a question, though. What about uh, the thought that that, that, uh, that culture is kind of sacred to the Longhorns and they want to make sure they're bringing in the right people? Yeah, I mean, I think Sark may have uh, learned some early lessons in the transfer portal at Texas, right? Remember uh, Isaiah Hall and Jaleel Billingsley, guys he brought in, you know, probably because they were familiar with his system and he was familiar with their skill set. Uh, didn't seem like the fit, though, right? There are reports that even the players uh, kind of kind of pushed those guys out, uh, pushed at least Isaiah Hall out. And I think Sark may have learned from that that maybe – I don't because he's built this culture and he's built it really well from the foundation that he doesn't need to reach for guys and that he can afford to be extremely selective. Two things have really worked out in Texas' favor: their development, and I say worked out in their favor. They are the ones who are the who've actually made their own luck here, but their development has been extremely, extremely uh, fa fantastic so far. So in, in this tenure, right, you've told me the first two years, their, their development is top-notch, best development we've seen at Texas since the mid-2000s um, at Texas. So you're starting to get that development, so you don't need to be over-reliant on the transfer portal. You can just afford to supplement your roster via the transfer portal if you're Sark. And the second thing is now you are competing in the college football playoff, so you can afford to be selected because guys are going to want to play for you. All right, they're going to come want to play for whether it's Arch Manning down the line or whether it's be Quinn Ewers because he's coming back because he's a high-profile, um, high-level quarterback. It doesn't matter. Either way, you're going to be an attractive location. You're going to be an attractive destination for all these guys in the transfer portal. So I can see why Texas at this point is deciding, you know what, let's be patient. Let's not act in haste. Let's decide, you know, be selective and decide – who we want to bring into this culture and who is going to be the best like uh, option and most compatible with the culture that we have. A lot of great players in the transfer portal at positions of need, which are mostly safety and wide receiver for Texas, but they got to figure out the guys that are going to work the best with this culture they got. Got it. I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I, I think that every Longhorn fan is kind of nodding their head, right? I mean, isn't that what it should be? I mean, you, you've got your 12 and one, you're playing for in the college football playoff. Uh, you won the Big 12 for the first time in 13 or 14 years. 
Um, you seem to have the best years ahead of you. Not only do you expect Quinn Ewers to come back next year, uh, most likely, but you also are looking at Arch Manning in the in the uh, kind of in, in, on the come a little bit. And then you've got other players like Cedric Baxter, Derek Williams, Manny Muhammad, Anthony Hill, all young players that are very talented. Kelvin Banks. Uh, you look at it, and I, I just think that that it's it's hard to to argue with the idea that uh, Steve Sarkeesian has it uh, has things going in the right direction. Um, all right, a question for you, Rod. You've also done a little uh, uh, little recon on our boys at the University of Washington. Your first oh, yeah. take on them. Uh, you were talking talking to Jerry and I a little bit before we started this live stream. Uh, what are your thoughts on it uh, as far as as that's concerned? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the biggest issue for Texas, the one fear factor for Texas is how they defend the vertical pass, right? How you defend the vertical shots. Yep. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. is completing 44% of his deep balls. That's 20 yards or more down the field. That's one of the highest numbers in the country. Uh, it is a huge part of their game. They, they, they've thrown 100 deep balls, 20 yards or more down the field so far this season. Quinn Ewers is, is at 40, right? So it's a <laughs> huge difference in the amount of deep shots. He's missed a couple of games, but just shows you the difference uh, in the uh, philosophy. Uh, Texas defensively has actually done pretty well defending deep shots. They're only, come, I think opponents are completing 36% of their deep shots against Texas on the season. Here's the, here's the issue, though. Here's the rub, if you will. Take away the backup quarterbacks out of that mix. Let's remove them from that equation. That number jumps to 42%. When you remove the backup quarterbacks, they played three of them so far this year. Um, and if you let's take the last two games, Texas has done really well at defending some of their most, I say, most uh, troublesome concepts all season long, which are inside breaking routes and targets to bunch formations. They played a lot of press coverage probably more than they've played all season long in the last two games against Tech and against Oklahoma State. And you took away a lot of those inside breaking routes and targets to bunch. And that was great. Matter of fact, Barrett uh, Morton had, what, 2.4 yards per attempt. I mean, uh, he, he just looked he, – he, he really looked inept and incompetent as a quarterback. And he hadn't looked like that all year. Texas, that was their best pass defense performance. Fast forward to the Oklahoma State game. Oklahoma State's adjustment, Mike Gundy, hell of a coach, to Texas playing so much press coverage on the outside field and boundary, and they did play a lot, played as much as they played in the Tech game, was deep shots. Let's take shots. They're going to play press, we're going to take shots. And we're going to go double moves, out and ups, hitch and goes, stock blocking goals, that's what we're going to do. And they completed around 30, uh, 42%. They were right at it, 42.8% of their deep shots downfield. That does not include the PI. That does not include the PI. That does not include what probably should have been a PI on the first deep ball on that first drive, right? And there was a deep shot with a guy running wide open on a post route that uh, the quarterback just missed the guy. So their adjustment actually was a, a good one. They just couldn't hit on all the shots. Texas blew them out of the water, though. It really didn't matter. My concern is Texas will have to play some bump and run coverage on Washington. No, no team in the country is better at converting and completing those deep vertical shots downfield. They got three NFL wideouts. When they take their shots, when you are in bump and run coverage, it's kind of like when Texas sees their opponent in bump and run coverage against X-Men or A.D. Mitchell, what do they do? What do they do, Jerry? Yeah. Take shots. Exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. I got that you're a guy. What are you talking about? Hell yeah, we're taking that shot. Hey, hey Ron, how much, do you, do the same thing? 
How much do you think the Texas edge players and outside back are going to factor into this game? I mean, if if you last year factored in, right? Uh, Texas has improved there. Um, obviously, last year Overstone didn't play in that game either. But uh, if they slide the pocket a lot, they don't play fast. 99th in snaps per game. Just for clarification, Texas is 26. That's a massive difference. So it's a yep. deliberate, really good offense by Kalen DeBoer. Uh, how important do you think those edges and outside backers are going to be in this game, at least disrupting the timing of Penix? Uh, I think it's going to be huge. He, he does not need to know where the pressure is coming from consistently. I think the most can, most effective pressure is going to be interior pressure against him. Yeah. All right, It's going to be interior pressure. If, if you can get it organically, Texas should be able to. They've been able to do it all year long with the best D-tackle duo in all of college football. But they'll be ready for that. They got a veteran offensive line. That Trust me, Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy ain't going to take nobody by surprise. <laughs> but they are just good. They'll still be able to have an impact. You still got to devote numbers to stop those guys. But if I were Texas, I would probably come from the second level with a lot of those interior pressures too. But here's the thing. I expect to see that Mo Blackwell package with Anthony Hill and Jalen Ford at linebacker. I expect to see it a lot. I just think it does a lot for you when you're talking about Jerry is being able to come off the edges and be able to do it in a in a very a kind of versatile fashion where you have multiple guys can do it. Maybe it's Ethan Burke. Maybe it's Baron Sorrell. Oh, maybe it's going to be Anthony Hill. Maybe it's going to be uh, Mo Blackwell. I think you have to keep them guessing. And that, that package, if you can get them to kind of predictable passing situations, that is a really good package for Texas to be able to apply pressure off the edge and be able to come up with very exotic looks in their in their pressure packages, which you're going to have to do. This, you got to keep this guy guessing. I mean, he's a Heisman finalist. The pre-snap look he sees should never match the post-snap look he gets. It just shouldn't. You should be moving things around constantly against this guy. All right, uh, let's ask this question for you, Rod, from Justin Rosenthal. Is this the most talented group of skill position players we faced under Sark? Also, how big a factor will Dylan Johnson, the running back, be? Man, Oklahoma, I got to go look at Oklahoma that first year, right? Oklahoma was loaded. They they, they had some great skill position guys, especially when you talk about, you know, Caleb Williams and those guys. Uh, it's among that group, yeah. I mean, it's – it's not like we talked about this. It ain't LSU 2019. All right. It ain't Jamar right. Chase and Justin Jefferson. It ain't that group. So don't be, don't be freaking out. <laughs> Texas right. can hold their own at times against this group. The just truth is, it is just the they're all three NFL caliber wide receivers. They're all three thousand yard receivers at one point in their career. Um, that's why I said you got to get up and press them every now and then. And Texas. Texas has been – they've been playing more press coverage on the outside than they've played all year long. And when I watched Arizona State and Washington State, hell, even Oregon State, there's no way those guys have better athletes on the outside than Texas, and they're coming up and challenging these guys. So I think they know this opponent better than anybody because they got to face them within the conference, and they know if I allow these raw receivers to get a free release every time, all right, and just allow Michael Penix with that, you know, he's got a cannon of an arm. He can make all the quick game throws all day, every day. And the only pass they throw more than uh, the deep ball is zero to nine yards, right? Zero to nine yards. That's their bread and butter. So that's essentially you're talking about quick game with a guy like Penix. If you can kind of take that away, force him to hold on to the ball a little bit longer. Yeah, they're going to take their deep shots. But if you can get to them, like I said, Arizona State probably did a really good job. They had some injuries in that game. Go watch Oregon State. Washington State does a decent job of it. 
you really can win your, your share of battles. And that's what you want to do. Texas, Texas will get beat, but Texas is going to score points versus them too. You just need to make a few plays here and there. And Penix will throw you some. He's got nine interceptions on the season. But, guys, watching film, I count four, five dropped interceptions by guys, mostly because his arm is so damn strong. He's, he's trying to gun it into a very small window. And guys and DBs have bad hands. And, and by the way, another thing is receivers are really skilled. So they become defenders. Because he loves the 50-50 ball, especially with Odunze. He's probably the best contested catch guy in the country. He'll just – if it's one-on-one – He's going to throw it to his guy, give his guy a shot. And at times, it's a bad throw where it's off. His receivers come back and become defenders, and they break up a lot of them too. But he will throw it up there for you. You just got to make the play. Got it. All right, uh, this is Bobby Burton. I'm alongside Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and on three. Uh, guys, uh, this is the Friday afternoon live stream. That means it's brought to you by our friend Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking to turn over a new leaf in the new year, uh, looking to leave the corporate rat race, make sure you give Andy a shout, uh, 404-973-9901, or visit him at myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, keep in mind, Andy uh, can help you place you with a franchise of your choice, or what's really good about Andy, he actually kind of self-qualifies you for certain ones, takes you through a process, and helps you learn which ones uh, might be best for you and yourself or in your family. Hey, um, I want to say hats off to Ian here. Ian Prager just finished my last ever exam as a UT student. I got to be honest with you, Ian. I still remember walking out of that class. Uh, I was in uh, <laughs> it's now the Macomb school and boy, it felt good getting out of there, buddy. Uh, e. Kim, Congrats, uh, as coaches have said, worry about the ones you bring in over the ones you don't. The ones you bring in, you have to worry about 365 days. The others, you only have to worry about at most once a year. I, I agree with that. That's, that's something that Mac Brown told me a long time ago uh, and uh, something I still believe to this day. I want to add, th- add this. Um, there have been a lot of questions about Walter Nolan and Evan Stewart. So I'm told that even if a Texas coach, once a player gets into the portal, a Texas coach mentions um, – they mention or talk to a player, it doesn't mean they've offered them. Exactly. Just, just so you understand, they are going to do their due diligence on whether or not they think that player meets uh, or, ex- you know, exceeds their uh, kind of thought process mm-hmm. of what they want to bring into the program. So just because they've made contact doesn't mean they've offered. I would also uh, remind people that Evan Stewart is actually not in the portal. So you can't really do anything about that. The one thing I will say is he, he mentioned this. Uh, I've asked this question, Gary Small went on a couple other shows without any response. What do you guys make of Evan Stewart's comments about not receiving a dollar of the NIL money promised by Ags? He he didn't say that. He said he didn't receive a dollar from AM. He didn't say he didn't receive a dollar from anywhere. There's a difference. Um, so be 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 aware of that one. Okay. Um, hey, uh, Rod, you know, I, I this is from Juan. Do you think? Texas will hire a general manager for football. They kind of <laughs> already have one in Billy Glasscock. He's the director of player personnel for yeah. Texas. He's the entire roster management idea behind it, right? Um, do you see college football going to a general manager type situation if they ever get into this point where it's actually that you can actually pay pay for play, not just NIL? What yeah, if it's not if it's not entitled, it'll definitely be in responsibility and duties, right? Because 
now you're talking about t- basically talent acquisition. You're talking about acquisitions, whether it be in uh, recruiting or it be the, the transfer portal. Uh, and the thing with the general manager in the in the NFL is they are like tied to the financial aspect of the salary the salary cap and the team. They have a capologist help like right with them all the time while they make all their acquisitions and they make decisions about personnel. So if they're going to get somebody in a free agency, you know, they're talking about, Hey, is this worth it? Uh, is this the best uh, value we can get on the market? Uh, can we get a better value in the draft? Should we prioritize it there? There are all these decisions being made about that. And I wonder basically your, I guess your draft is the, is recruiting uh, and free agency is the transfer portal. Uh, what's the salary cap? Well, salary cap would be your NIL resources, <laughs> right? And there's no real cap on it, but every school has a different NIL situation. And now we know the NIL, you know, landscape now and, and legislation, the new law of the land is inextricably linked with the transfer portal. There are guys hitting the transfer portal now to see what their market value is going to be. And you even have to worry about re-recruiting your own guys which to me is almost the renegotiations that happen in the league when guys go, yeah, I've outplayed my contract. I think I want a better deal. <laughs> and you can either go to free agency to pursue that and see what your market value is, or, you know, you can throw hints out there. And what makes this, in my opinion, this is even more uh, difficult to navigate is these guys have agents now. Now they're representatives in the NIL space, but these guys are actually agents <laughs> in the professional realm for NFL players. So they have those connections. And if you don't think they're looking at their, you know, these young men who they're representing NIL as future clients in the pro space, then I don't know what to tell you. Then you're very naive. So they are already thinking along a pro level with the players in terms of them getting their market value. And I think it's only a matter of time before coaches who've been to the NFL like Sark like Harbaugh, like Saban, you know, they, they're building personnel departments just like an NFL front office. You have to. You'd be foolhardy not to. Uh, by the way, we've had some questions about Cohen Eccles decommitting from AM, the Katie guard center. Uh, that's not one Texas would uh, have interest in. Not saying he's not a good player, uh, but Texas has uh, Daniel Cruz at center, um, and that is they believe they got the best center in the country. So, uh, not a Cohen Eccles, not a guy that Texas would move on. I think Texas may they went out and just talked to DeAndre Carter again on Monday. I think he sticks with Auburn. Um, you know, if Ori, if Ori Williams called the last minute and said he wanted in, they might do it, but that uh, I think Ori Williams signs with LSU. Uh, and if Texas takes signs three offensive linemen in this class, they've signed 15 in three years, they're hitting five a year, so that's a pretty good place to be. And it's a really good class in 2025. Jerry, to keep up with people that haven't talked to or heard about the, the latest with Xavier Filsimi, uh, the safety out of uh, McKinney, uh, Texas was by there. Steve Sarkeesian was by there. Also stopped at uh, Parker Livingstone, the wide receiver out of Love Joyce House, yeah. as well as Zena Omiozulu uh, in his house last night. But uh, Filsimi is the one that has not committed of that group, Jerry. Uh, what is the very latest on him? And, and give people an update. Yeah, I think uh, in-home visit, I mean, went as well as can be expected. Uh, so he's still scheduled to visit Texas officially December 15th through 17th. Uh, look, I think Texas is the one working from a position of strength in this recruitment. Uh, right now, Billy Napier, uh, Austin Armstrong, D coordinator, and their new defensive backs hire. Uh, the name being linked most 
Uh, Gators online on on three, I believe, is Will said Will Harris is the name being linked the most. Um, that is the uh, the defensive uh, assist backs assistant, I believe, with the Chargers. Um, so if you know if, if Florida apparently has their guy, when they'll announce that, I would think it's over the weekend. Uh, so you you would expect Billy Napier, Austin Armstrong, and that new defensive backs coach to visit uh, Xavier Phil Same uh, Phil The in-home visit would be Monday or Tuesday. Uh, Monday night or Tuesday around there. Then the official visit to Texas, uh, December fifteenth through seventeenth, is remains scheduled. Um, and I think uh, I think Texas is moving in the right direction in that recruitment. All right, uh, we're going to be taking your questions here on uh, the Friday afternoon live stream. Uh, please feel free to get it uh, going. Uh, sponsored by MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, Rod Babers. Uh, you know, we've talked about this before, where how coaches like to talk to other coaches and kind of get some intel. Uh, Michael Williams wants to know, will Sark, PK, the coaches, contact any coaches who have played Washington, gather insight and tips? Isn't that just par for the course that they're going to do that? Yeah, I think coaches just do that naturally. They whether they, it, you know, it's texting, you know, in the off season and talking in the off season, they all but admit it a lot of the times too. Right. <laughs> they, you just kind of reading between the lines. They admit that. And PK's got a lot of connections, all right, on the West Coast with the Pac-12, Sark as well. So I guarantee you, that's probably even from last season when they played him in the bowl game, they were probably doing that then. And Sark still got connections, of course, as a former coach there in Washington. So yeah, there's no doubt they're doing that. I mean, in terms of how much of an advantage it can give you, I'm I'm not sure, but um, I do think if you're talking to uh, enough coaches behind the scenes, uh, they can give you where they probably wish they would have made better adjustments, stuff like that. If they are so inclined, maybe sometimes they, maybe they don't give you that kind of stuff. But if you're close enough to a coach, if it's a quid pro quo thing, trust me, they they're gonna want some information from you one day too. <laughs> um, by, by the way, I mean. Yeah, how important all that stuff is. There's a reason Connor Stallions had a job, right? <laughs> hey, brother. Hey. But, but I will also he didn't say just that, have a job. He had a slush fund, Jerry. I'll say on, this, man. too. Uh, it's the big difference from, like, 25 years ago, though, right, is these guys, they have an analytics breakdown of every play that Washington's run this year. They get all the videos, right? Washington has the same on Texas, right? They have guys in the office, man. They have every – Rob, kind of like you break down when you watch it. So think about a, a Texas having a staff of guys who does that. Literally yep. every snap Washington's mm -hmm. taken. Yep. Uh, tendencies, how many times in trips, blah, 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 blah. The whole way through. They have everything. And that's why Rod always talks about breaking tendencies. Because these coaches know everybody has everything on them now. That's exactly. Yep. Go All ahead. right. Hey, Rod, I want to stay with you on this uh, because I think it's important. I went to both the big Pac-12 and Big 12 championship game. Phoenix doesn't like stepping up with the pressure and will throw off his back foot, which le mm -hmm. leads to him being inaccurate. Do you yep. think you guys think Texas plays less match quarters this game in the secondary than usual because uh, because of that? Because, frankly, Texas gets run by a lot in the max match quarters situations. Yeah, they uh, if their communication is bad in match quarters. Uh, when you're supposed to pass off routes and covers, they don't do it really well, which is why deep routes, yes. deep routes in particular. Yes. yes. So basically, when you can do a deeper switch route, usually switch routes are routes in bunch formation. Guys, they do a switch release at the line of scrimmage. So you know, one guy, the outside receiver, has an inside break, inside receiver, outside break. You know, and they want to cross. 
All right, try to get the uh, DBs. They call it rub, rub routes. Try to get the DBs picked off. Um, sometimes you can do that down the field. Right. So you get vertical. You go you basically do a switch, uh, a switch route, but you're doing it down the field, like eight to 10 yards down the field. Texas is that they're easy money against that. I mean, it just they do a bad job of passing off those routes in coverage. Sometimes the, the, the corner thinks they match it in man and the safety thinks that it's zone or vice versa. So that's really how you try to get Texas. That's why targets the bunch works really well versus them. But the, the Jerry Snowflake, you're right on the money there, brother. You're right. He does not like interior pressure. Jerry talked about it, too. Jerry's seen it. He will he will drift. He will drift back. And he trusts his arm. So even if he's drifting back and he's got to throw like a deep out, he'll still throw it. Drifting back on a back foot if the interior pressure is there. As a matter of fact, in that Arizona State game, they started moving the pocket late in the game yes. because they were consistently getting to him in the interior. That is right. But you gotta you got to press to do that because you got to take away the easy completions. You got to force him to go down the field a little bit so you can force it, the pressure, you can let the pressure get there. And that's the thing I think Texas is going to have to do that that's going to be the roll of the dice when they do have to press a little bit. And is he going to take the deep shot there? Will the pressure get there? Will they hold up? If they don't, then you take the chance of them connecting downfield on those deep routes. Got it. Uh, all right. Uh, that's good stuff. Thanks, Jerry. Snowflake. We know what that's a yeah. reference to, by the way. Uh, hey, uh, can you elaborate, <laughs> Casey? Can you elaborate on Juice Wells' latest? Is that because of the staff's feelings about Matthew Golden, Deion Burks, Golden, that uh, young man from University of Houston that has announced he's going into the portal but has not officially gone in? Deion Burks, a receiver from Purdue, uh, that is one of the better receivers out there. Juice Wells. Uh, it was reported by On3 National today and quoted by uh, Juice's agent that he would be at Texas this weekend as well as Ole Miss. Uh, we have learned from Texas that that visit is not going to happen. He may visit next weekend. Uh, but here, here's the reality of all of this right now. I continue to say, don't jump the gun. Texas doesn't know everyone that's going to be in the portal. They're not going to go out and just add players to be added. They don't need numbers. There was a time when this staff needed numbers. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian's first year, he took guys that that weren't, you know, really the guy to be taking in the portal. They are not going to do that. And I mentioned this at the very outset of the show. They are dead set on that. They're not going to sit here and allow somebody else to ruin the culture and just go out there and bring it. He go, it's like, what is it? What does it mean to the existing players on the team if everybody if you're just throwing out offers like the princely Uma Malian apparently is saying in the portal and saying that Texas is off. Texas hasn't offered him. It, it's wow. te Texas had a phone wow. call with Walter Nolan. They didn't offer Walter Nolan. Yeah. And so that that's what I'm getting at, guys. I mean, it's got to be a fit just because there's an interest doesn't mean that Texas is going there. And by and the way, and by the way, even if everybody, they bring him in for a visit, yeah. it doesn't mean they're going to eventually take him. Say that again. Even if they bring somebody in for a visit, it doesn't mean they're going to take the guy. No, they they didn't offer Jihad Carter last year. Syracuse right. safety that ended up uh, safety that ended up going uh, to Ohio State instead. So no. uh, these things happen, and I think people need to start getting used to that and accustomed to it because the portal is just plain different. Uh, I guess that's the best way to put it, Jerry uh, and Rod, at this point. All right, uh, this one from uh, Seth Alcozer. Did Juice Wills decide not to visit this weekend? Because Jerry said 
Juice is not like Debo. On a more serious <laughs> note, does Juice not get what wide receiver needs we have the staff wants? I think he's more like – I mean, he's not like Adonai Mitchell or Xavier Worthy. He's more like Jordan Whittington. That's where people need to understand. So – how no, not, a shot, not a shot at Jordan Whittington, a much no. better version no, I mean, of that, Jordan a higher Whittington. draft pick version of that. A guy that was a first-team All-SEC in 2022. Right, he, but he's yeah. not the guy. He's not the separate-downfield guy. He's a he's an 80-20 catch guy is what he is. He, but yeah. Instead of a 50-50, it becomes 80-20 uh, in his favor. But, you know, I, Texas is looking for a home run at wide receiver. We'll see if Juice Wills could be that. Like I said, they might bring him in next week. They're not bringing him in this week. Uh, Juan asked this one for you, Jerry. Uh, Jerry, you put an RPM pick in for Makuba to Texas, but then said he'd be visiting uh, um, Oregon, Oklahoma, and Texas. Is that false hope or confidence on your end? I think it's just recruiting, man. I think that's what it is. It's recruiting. I, I mean, I don't know other way to say it. We would put in our RPMs. For guys that take visits and they eventually commit to Texas, I think it's just I think it's just recruiting. It's just the way of the game. Uh, look, I mean, Oregon's going to be come hard after top guys in the portal. Um, obviously, Oklahoma's coming after Makuba uh, because he played uh, for, for Brent at Clemson. You know, Ole Miss is going hard in the portal as well. So, uh, look, you're going some of these guys are going to take some visits, and we'll see where how it turns out at the end of the day. Good stuff. Hey, Rod, I want to ask you this one real quick, buddy. Um, Menu 2 is asking, how fast is Roba Dunze? Is he Xavier Worthy fast? No, I don't think so. I don't think he's X-Man fast. You think so, Jerry? Not Hold that. on. I think they had the exact same 100-meter time in high school, okay. but, I think, but I think Xavier may get the top end a little quicker. Okay, yeah. He's because a, a Dunze ends up with more of the contested catches at times because he does not separate like Xavier Worthy, but that may be scheme too. Uh, and Sark schemes open guys very differently with a lot of targets to motion, uh, stuff like that. But no, I, a Dunze is a, I mean, he's a guy that's going to be drafted potentially in the first round. I mean, he's talking about yeah. him potentially as the first receiver taken off the board. He's that kind of guy. I think his, I think his elite ability though is not his speed. I think it's his ability to, he basically win those 50-50 balls and become the kind of a contested catch freak. When the right, so, by the way, I just looked it up. 10 6 7, uh, FAT, fully automatic time was uh, uh, Rome's uh, 100 meter time coming out of high school. Worthy yeah. had a 5 5, obviously, junior year. Then he didn't even uh, run his senior year because of COVID. So, I think that's, I, I think. And me just watching those guys, I think Xavier Worthy getting the top in speed is he, he is as fast as anybody in college football. Yeah. Like and it pads too. His yes. pads, like it translates. Yes. It, it does. Yeah, his speed. Hey, Rod, I want to ask you this. Uh, you've been there. Big, buddy pal, chief, big guy. College kids are about to be treated as professional adults, and it's going to be a reality shock. You agree with that? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's And Sarkis talks about it, right? Sarkis talks about how he's treating them like men and he's, he understands that they have these NIL opportunities and he doesn't necessarily agree with all of it, but it's the reality and it's the, the new law of the land. I taxes number one. I hope everybody's taking care of their taxes. <laughs> uh, that's a lot to sort through. Even in the NFL, man, I had to because you had to pay taxes in every state you play in, and every state's got different tax laws. I had to get hip to that, and that was that was me as a you know, young professional figuring that out. So I hope they're I hope that the Texas providing you with en- enough, and I, I believe they are from what I am hearing: financial literacy, education about taxes early on and how that goes because they are you know these guys i'm sure independent contract i'm not sure how it works with them actually and all the nil i'm not sure they should know that um so i hope that the guys are getting those lessons but you're right man they got to grow up fast i would love to grow up that fast though let's be honest if i was a 17 18 year old rod b i would love to have to learn them life lessons about making a whole lot of money at 18 years old (laughs) i'll take them problems there are good problems, and parents tend to take a little control of it, too. What's yes. happening with college players, though, Rod and Jerry, for example, um, it's they don't have real representation. They, they may have three different guys calling on their behalf and still, and still trying to get the same deal with the same program. So player Z at, you know, say, I don't know, I'm going to – University of British Columbia, he could literally have three or four marketing agents calling every school and a coach or a, uh, you know, a collective or whatever could pick up the phone and they could act like there's three different people representing the same person. Well, who do they even talk to? That that's where, and I'm saying this because I want to make sure everybody understands that's where if you're not tight with who your circle is and being treated as an adult, you have to act like an adult. Yeah. Right. That means your representation. You can't have people calling around saying that you are, that, that they represent you, et cetera. You have to be able to figure that out yourself. Uh, by the way, I want to say this, um, you know, obviously I think Bobby's heard the, the same thing. What's happened with this. A lot of boutique agencies have started popping up. And it, it, you better have the right circle around you nowadays. You bet. That's all I'm going to say. Never been more important to have a good circle around you as a top high school football prospect or basketball. Gotcha. All right. Here's from uh, Jackson Onstad. I'm going to ask this question because you know what? I think this is kind of unfair to be honest with you. Uh, Jackson, I know that Blake Gideon is a good recruiter, but have we consistently not developed talent? Is he on the hot seat? Hmm. I mean, who did he, who did he, come in with i mean jared thompson was like the eighth or ninth rated safety in the state of texas his senior year okay keaton crawford was a athlete mixed cornerback michael taff is a walk-on yeah so, so is he 
Are we upset about the 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 guys that are transferring now at the safety that's, position? Is I, I don't understand. Wrong? I mean, B.J. Allen, Larry Turner, good. I mean, B.J. Allen was ranked decently high. Larry Turner, good, was not. Um, Jerry, do you have anything? You know, how do you answer a question like that when Frank? I don't want to say the cupboard was bare at Texas, but the cu- cupboard definitely wasn't full when he arrived. Yeah, no, I think, look, it, it, Texas is in the college football playoff. I I, I don't think Sark's firing anybody off his staff. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll just say that. Uh, look, I uh, the only thing, um, you know, I, I, I one of the things I think they've done better is getting the right matches together at that position later in the year, Rod. I do think there were some uh, – I thought it was tough to play a couple of those guys together a lot um, early mm-hmm. in the season. I think they've done a better job getting matches with that. Derek Williams has come on. Yep. Um, let's see, uh, let's see, uh, what happens, uh, when, you know, let's, let's say, uh, Xavier Filsimi flips to Texas, Jordan Johnson, Rebel coming in, you know, you start having a lot of the guys you wanted to recruit in at safety. Um, and, and I, I, I suspect that, uh, I suspect the safeties will be all right. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think so too. I think what's happening in terms of the, uh, obviously you have what, uh, seven guys in the portal now, and three of them are safeties. Is that what uh, the number, yeah. right? Um, and I think some people are freaking out, like, man, what's going on in safety? And this year, one of the only issues on defense, or only problem areas, has been coverage at the safety position. So I think it's just, it's, it's just top of mind for Longhorn fans right now. They're talking to think, and they're thinking about Washington. I got them all paranoid, giving them numbers about 20 plus yard passes downfield and vertical shots. So I think the safety is top of mind, but I do think it is what's happening is, and I can tell you right now, just my personal experience. Coach Akina used to, we used to sit in the DB room, according to the depth chart. Like it was, it, it was, it, I, I know now it was a psychological thing, a ploy by uh, Coach Akina. And there'd be times where, you know, he'd come in there and then he'd have to tell some guys to take a different seat. Like, oh, no, 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 take a different seat. This is, <laughs> you, uh, you, you're being demoted, basically. Right. And that you can see it in front of everybody. And it was a, a one of those moments where a collective gasp in the room, like, holy, you can lose your job and everybody knows it. Um, that's I'm not I'm not I'm not sure if they're having that now, even though Blake Gideon remembers that. I'm not sure if that's the case. But picture that in your head and picture Michael Tav going from the back of that room as a walk on to now going to the front of it. And you're one of those other scholarship guys who's, who's watching this and going, damn, I'm not. I'm not moving up, but that guy's moving up. And then Derek Williams, a true freshman also, who went from, you know, probably where you were in the back of that room, and now he's up at the front of that room. That's what you got to picture. And I think psychologically for those guys, even though you're going to have King Crawford and Jaron Thompson leaving, it's going to be hard for them to visualize a path going forward. And I think that's frustrating, frustrated by them. And you got to get this Blake Gideon not get credit for Derek Williams playing better and Michael Taff, a walk-on. Guys, there's no tougher way to get on the field than being a walk-on. I tell you, right, it's like being an undrafted free agent in the NFL. It is the, I'm, I'm not saying the coaches are against walk-ons. They like walk-ons. But you don't get a lot of reps to show your stuff. They give the other scholarship guys, they will get the benefit of the doubt, and they get way more reps in practice than you. So to be a walk-on and end up penetrating that rotation of guys, I got to tell you, Michael Taff must have been balling, balling. Oh, those other guys were underperforming, like really underperforming. I, I'm not. I sound seems like right now Michael Taff was just balling because he's tied for the uh, the team lead in interceptions and he's playing really well and he's probably the most assignment sound guy you got back there. 
So I think for them psychologically, picturing that guy's ascent, that's tough to deal with, man. It they their confidence right now is is hurting because they're like, man, I couldn't I couldn't make it on the field. I I had more reps to impress and I couldn't get it. You know, they had more time than the freshman Derek Williams to do it to impress the coaches. Couldn't do it. That's what the transfer portal's for. All right. Hey, this is another thing I want to add that I think we can all agree with. Uh, El Conquistador says DBU needs to get back to being DBU. If our corners would turn their head and track the ball, boom, instant improvement. Rod, you've talked about this. We we agree that Texas corners need to be a little bit more of that, you know, natural ball thieves, I guess mm-hmm. is the best way to put it. You yep. You kind of called it, you know, there's two different types of corners. And go over that again for people that didn't hear you the first time, because whether or not a corner is a guy that picks off a lot of passes or if he's a guy that just disrupts a lot of passes, there tend to be two different types. And you've got a, a theory on that. Yeah, just because of my own experience. Right. I I, I did not have great ball skills, as you guys know. Uh, I've been notorious for that. I, I think I'm top five all time still in PBUs at Texas in a career and half of those were the kind where you you're disappointed in yourself after the breakup. You're like, oh, well, I not miss that pick. Not the celebratory kind where you made a great play and knocked it away. But I I learned that that was part of my skill set that I didn't have great ball skills. So I played the man. And in my experience, there were two kinds of DBs: guys that play the man and guys that play the ball. I played the man, so I would play the eyes. I'd play the hands, right? I'd, I'd look to to try to secure the receiver. What they call being in phase. In phase means you have essentially control of the wide receiver, right? That you have good leverage on the wide receiver. Hear somebody say out of phase, that means you're pop, you're chasing, all right, and you're out of position. That means you're out of phase. And I was great at get being in phase constantly. I was always in a, I was always smothering the wide receiver. I had good speed. I could do that. You really, really get a lot of separation against me. Like I said, my ball skills were off. So if I tried to play the ball out time, get myself in trouble. So I would play the man because I could, the man would take me to the ball. That was just my theory. And then when I get there, I wasn't concerned with getting the interception. I was concerned with doing my job, which was to make sure the receiver didn't catch the ball. My famous quote, nobody catches the ball on my side of the field. Not even me. All right. Nobody. <laughs> Ain't no action happening over there, man. Mac Brown did not like that quote, but it just shows you my mentality. I'm a, I'm a man guy. I'm complaining to man. And I was a man coverage specialist, but I played with guys who their mindset was ball. They played for the ball. They attacked the football. They would watch the quarterback because the quarterback had the ball and they would play the court, play the receiver through their periphery <laughs> because the ball was their That was their number one objective. And that wasn't the coaches telling them that. That's the way Nathan Basher, Nasty Nate played. He was going, and he was a receiver coming out of high school, offensive player. So when the ball was in the air, he believed he had a right to it. And the, the rules say you do, but most defenders don't necessarily believe that. There are a few that do. The, the ball hawks of the world. I played with Nathan, Nathan Basher. I played with Michael Hook. Derek Johnson was one of those guys. Yep. Sometimes they're at linebacker. This is instilled in. I'm like, no, no, I think ball. But Derrick Johnson came to the 40 acres doing that, that uh, you know, that 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 punch, right? That tomahawk punch to knock the ball out. Guys, nobody taught him that. He yep. came to the 40 acres, a freshman doing that move. And then Carl Burris told every other defender, we need to practice that move. Put it in your position drills. Everybody needs to do that move. That's a hell of a move. That's because he was thinking ball. He's like, yeah, I can secure. I'm fast enough. I'll secure the tackle. But let me go get this ball. And some guys, they just they, Malik Muhammad's like that. Remember that pick he got where I forgot what game it was. Yes, it was Tech, like, oh, maybe? yes the most recent interception. He's actually beat. 
He was the, the, the receiver gets behind him. Is he tracking the receiver? Go back and watch him. He's not. He's tracking the ball. Even yep. when he was beat, he was looking for the ball. He didn't reacquire the receiver until he found the ball with the receiver right there. Was that the was that you know found is that fundamentally correct? Probably not. You should go track the receiver first, then find the football. But like I said, some guys they're bred, they're programmed differently. They're programmed ball, they're ball guys. And I think you just need a few of those guys on your defense. I think you just need you need to make and they're gonna get beat every now and then. They're Trevon Diggs of the world. They'll get beat. Deron Blanche. They'll get beat, but they'll also make way more plays than they give up. And I think you gotta have a healthy amount of both of them. Healthy some Rod B's out there who are always playing the man, who's doing their damn job, fundamentally sound, assignment sound. And then you gotta have some ball hawks out there, just like your nasty nature, uh, Michael Huffs, your Derek Johnsons. You need them types of guys. Earl Thomas was like that. Earl was like that too. I'm a ball guy, man. Hell, ask Blake Gideon how many times he had to get Earl lined up. <laughs> Earl's like, man, we'll line up. Blake's like, line up right there, man. That's you. That's your assignment. And then Earl's going, all right. And then Earl gets the pick because Earl's thinking about the ball. That hey, that was a regular occurrence. Ask Blake Gideon. So it's just that's part of it, man. Some guys they're ball oriented. Some guys are, you know, they're fundamentally sound man guys back there in coverage. I think that's my theory. Anyway. I love it. You know, one of the guys that I always thought was a little bit of both and in the safeties that were a little bit of both. I thought Michael Griffin had an innate sense for the ball, too, yeah, even though he was a powerful safety. Yeah. Like Michael Huff was not necessarily a power. He was a speed safety. You know what I mean, Ron? Mm -hmm. More that free like safety. That. Michael Griffin was a little bit of both. And I think that may have been that's what yeah. Kenny Vaccaro, too. Kenny Vaccaro was both. Great yeah. example. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hey, I, before we go on, we got some more questions to get to. We got about 15 more minutes here to go on the Friday afternoon Longhorn live stream brought to you by the folks at myperfectfranchise.net. If you're looking to leave the corporate rat race, want to start something new in the new year, make sure you give Andy Ludicky a call. Uh, Andy at myperfectfranchise.net 404-973-9901. Andy has a system whereby he goes and takes you through a process that qualifies you for the right the right business for you. There are thousands, literally, of franchise businesses out there. Which one is exactly right for you? Let Andy try to help you figure that out. Again, calling 404-973-9901 or send him an email, andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, guys, we got more questions coming in. I want to get to those now. Uh, let's look at this one. This is an interesting for one from uh, from Ralph Neely. If Michigan and Washington lose two undefeated teams and Florida State wins over Georgia, do they deserve a piece of the title belt? They'll be the only undefeated team. 14 wow. and 0. Man, I didn't think about that. Make a t-shirt, I guess. Yeah, just something to consider. Uh, well, hey. well, look, look, the state of Florida does a good job having parades for should have been national champions. <laughs> So they can just Florida State can just call UCF and say, "Who did y'all use to set up the parade?" <laughs> uh, well said, sir. Well said. Uh, here's Kabir Hussein. Uh, does a month off affect our players' focus? And it's not just Texas's focus that you got to remember here, Kabir and others. It's Washington's too. I mean, that is an offense that kind of clicks, right? Long time off may not help them, although their quarterback has a lot more playing experience. Rod, what do you think of that, uh, the, the month off 
Okay. Can I, I, I want to say something on that first. I actually think it helps focus. Mm. I think you get a mental break. You're coming down off a long regular season. It's one thing if you're playing in a bowl game that doesn't have a lot of meaning and guys are opting out because they're going to the NFL draft. This isn't an opt-out bowl. This is an opt-in bowl. I mean, this is – look, the thing is, I think it's good to take that mental break. And that's why Sark said we don't we don't practice getting to the game plan and start preparation too early. Then these guys are mentally exhausted by the time the game comes. I think it's a good thing for these teams that there's this time off. It allows them to heal, fresher mind, fresher body, right? And I think it's a perfect thing. Uh, and I'll be interested to see as this 12-team playoff because help goes in the uh, play next year, guys. They don't have a, this break. I mean, that you're asking not professionals to have a 16 to 17 week season. Yeah, that's going to be a different game mentally for all these kids. Uh, I think Jerry nailed it. I'll just add. Uh, I spoke to Anthony Hill, and they they were wait they 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 needed the break, and these guys were waiting on this kind of break, yeah. and they hadn't had one really like this all season long because it's been so much pressure applied to even when you got a bye week. It's like, hey man, you're still prepping for the next team. Um, you're, there's going to be prep, but it's down the line. These actually, these guys are actually getting a break where they can, you know, obviously exhale for a week or two. They're still working out, but not practicing, not doing game plan. I'm with Jerry, man. I, I think it actually revitalizes the soul. It makes you, it makes you hungrier and thirstier for it. You miss it. Get a chance to miss it. Hey, yep. man, you know that absence makes the heart grow fonder. You miss it a little bit. Get a chance to miss football. That's great. Uh, and I, hey, Bobby, that's going to be so interesting when this 12 team playoff starts. Obviously, two teams, four teams will get a bye. But if you're not one of those bye teams, what does it look like? You get a week off before it's going to go right back into it. I mean, you're not the teams that are in the playoffs in the future. They're not going to have time to heal up. They're going to go right back and keep banging. That's true. I mean, that's going to be interesting to see how injuries affect the college football playoff in the future. That's another conversation for another time. But it, that's a major change in college football coming. Agreed. All right, so this one comes from Nigel Robertson, guys. Uh, has Have the Horns released the 2024 schedule yet? A&M and Sooners back-to-back, that's not the case. So A&M will be uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. That, that kind of value has been leaked through ESPN. OU is always the first or second Saturday in October. October. That's yeah. not changing. Uh, by the way, uh, I don't know if people saw this or not, but the Cotton Bowl – has the uh, the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, the State Fair, has the Texas OU game. They just signed a new agreement through 2036. So the Cotton Bowl ain't going anywhere. And that means it's going to be on, on, during the State Fair, which will be the first or second weekend of October. Just because it's saying these are the teams that they play right now, Nigel, it's not back-to-back. That's not the order in which they play, which I think is important. Um, hey, uh, guys – this one from Drew M. Do you think there is miscommunication between because Terry Joseph and PK had to figure out how to mesh? Maybe Gideon is taking the blame for it. What do you think of that? Mm. And, and, I mean, look, there was another, you know, rooster in the hen house with uh, Gary Patterson last Gary Patterson. year as well, trying to figure stuff out. Rod, what yeah. do you think? I think Gary Patterson helped him out a lot. I think he, he pretty much gave them the scouting report on the Big 12. I think PK initially miscalculated the Big 12 when he first came in that first year. And he didn't have, I mean, you know, I think he obviously 
you know, it helps the guys to have more experience in the system and know the terminology. So that, that was part of it as well. But I also think he miscalculated the conference. And I even said this a lot that first year for PK. And I love that PK hire is my favorite hire by Sark. Um, the coverages at times were not coordinated with the fronts. It, the, the pressure packages were not necessarily in sync and compatible with the coverages. It was weird, man. Trust me. Sometimes it was just nonsensical. Uh, I think Gary Patterson came in and he was able to bridge that divide um, where the coverages and the, 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 the fronts and the pressure package made sense. And I think that was PK missing. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ray, what's his name from uh, Washington? The DB coach that ended up oh, being Jimmy Lake. Lake. Jimmy Lake. Jimmy Lake. Jimmy Lake. Thank you very much. Sorry, guys. My, my CT is kicking in. <laughs> I think he was missing uh, Jimmy Lake a little bit. And him and Jimmy Lake had a great vibe. And Jimmy Lake was the pass game coordinator with the coverages. And he came up with the fronts. And I think he missed that. And him and Terry Joseph, it's, it, that's a good chance that, yeah, you're right about them not necessarily being in sync early on. I think now it's better post Gary Patterson, uh, whether Blake Gideon took some of the, the heat for that. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair to say because a lot of the busted coverages, I can tell you right now, it's match, it's match quarters. Uh, and that, that came in because of Gary Patterson. That was a Gary Patterson blueprint for the big 12. He was a big match quarters guy came in and his influence so far is still there. They play a ton of match quarters and a lot of the, the busted coverage have been out of that. Maybe that's on Blake Gideon because they got to teach that individually to the safeties, but sometimes that's on the corners in terms of that miscommunication and not on the safety. So I, I agree somewhat with you there. All right. Uh, this is Bobby Burton. I'm alongside J Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas. And on three, uh, this is the Friday afternoon live stream brought to you by BuyPerfectFranchise.net. Just to break down some news before we came on here, uh, Texas is not hosting Juice Wells, the South Carolina wide receiver, this weekend. They may bring him in next weekend. Uh, but I want to be clear, Texas right now, is taking a very judicious, non-haphazard way in the portal. Just because somebody enters the portal, just because a Texas coach talks to someone, do not assume they that player has been offered. Texas is being, again, very judicious. They like their roster. They're going to add smartly, and they want to build, build a program that they feel is built to last and not just trying to build it one piece at a time or one, one portal guy at a time that's going to be here today and gone tomorrow. Uh, all right, Lane C. Wright has a question. Uh, Seattle and Austin are sports analytics meccas. What tendencies, Rod and Jerry, did, does Sark break this game to win or perhaps prevent a shootout if you're talking about PK? Any, That's any thoughts? More band coverage on the outside. I think mine for Sark, and maybe I'm off about this, but you guys may remember it. I'll have to go find my, my notes, and we'll talk about it because we got plenty of time in between that. But the last bowl game versus Washington, Sark broke out empty formation and ran more empty than he had run all season long. It was one of the reasons that Quinn had that kind of breakout performance in, in versus uh, Washington in the Alamo Bowl. Something he saw made him want to go empty. The weird thing is Quinn's not great out of empty. He's not. Even this season, he's been sacked like four times out of empty. Remember in that Iowa State game, they were running a lot of empty because it's great to expose the three high, three down. He got sacked like two times uh, out of empty formation in that first half. Empty's supposed to speed up your internal clock. All the sack rates that I've been tracking drop in empty formation because the ball comes out quick. But because Quinn struggles at times to get through his uh, the, uh, the, pro the, the progressions very quickly, I think at times he struggles in empty when you take away the first read. But 
it may come out again versus Washington. Like I said, it was the most empty snaps they had run in any game last season. It was in that Alamo Bowl. I wonder if he sees it again versus Washington. Maybe it's schematic. Maybe it's structural. I don't know. But that could be a tendency breaker because they don't run a lot of empty. Sorry, Dunray should run more of it, but they don't. What yeah, about- I, I think I think what will be interesting there, guys, is you know one of the reasons I went back and watched the uh, the 05 series is to hear what the Texas staff was saying, right? And it's different. Football's different now. Don't get me wrong. Greg Davis, he repeatedly said on there, I mean, I'm not really changing anything. I mean, you know, there's uh, – but – Here's what I would say. I think you could see a couple of wrinkles within the script but I, for, for both these guys. But here's what I'll say. I think both these guys want to see if these teams can stop what's worked for them all season. And if you start having some issues, then I think that's when you really break a tendency maybe because they're going to have all that in a game plan. They have 25 more days to prepare. But I think both of these teams are going to say, all right, can you stop what got us here first? Mm-hmm. And if you can give us some issues with that, all right, we got something. We we got something to go to at that point. Yeah, I like that. All right, this one from Michael Williams. Uh, Michael asks, what is the impact of Derek Williams, the freshman safety out of New Iberia, Westgate in Louisiana, uh, being out for the first half? What is that impact? Will they have to adjust the scheme to account for his loss you know, I don't, I, I don't know that they adjust much at all. He is definitely a guy that can fill the run lane and, and also uh, have an effect in coverage. Rod, you have any thought about what they might do uh, considering that? Yeah, attack the safeties. I mean, he's your best. Oh, you think Washington will attack the safeties? Yeah. Yeah, uh, now what does Texas do in regards to – because he's your best coverage safety, right, in coverage. So, you know, Keaton Crawford, uh, Michael Taft, love those guys. Jer- you know, obviously, you know, Thompson, those guys are great, but they're actually, you know, I think at liability at times in coverage. They can be, especially going up against some elite wideouts. Uh, but for Texas, you know, I, just, I think they'll be – I think they'll go too high shell a lot and just keep those safeties back. That protects the safeties. Uh, that also protects the corners in case they get beat. I think that's what they're going to do. And you saw that from uh, Oregon State, uh, Arizona State did it. They would go bump and run, keep the safeties back deep. Even if it was single high, they would still keep the safeties back. They keep one safety ridiculously far back just in case Washington went went ham on some of those deep balls. So I think you'll keep the safeties protected. Also pressure. Nothing protects a DB like pressure. And Texas is third in the country, I believe, in pressures. Um, remember last year they were second. Oh, sorry, in power five among power five teams, third among power five teams in pressures. Jerry said it that's going to be big if you can force Michael Penix into making bad throws off his back foot, you know, off this spot. That'll be key. So, I think the best way to protect him pressure get to him anytime you throw it deep as much as a team does, like Washington. Uh, it, it all comes down to pressure. Yep, it all comes down to pressure, cr- causing resets, throwing off timing anybody that throws – I mean, look, and Rod, you've looked at the stats. They throw it a lot. He's broken that tendency at USC and then against Oregon, but they throw a high percentage at a time. Yep. And do. it's not a dink and duck offense. So they require really time. good offensive line play up they front to make that system hum. Yep, they need some time. All right, uh, this one, Jerry, I want to stay with you. What's I the think that might have been Xavier Worthy. What now? Well, I think people have been – it may be Phil me, but I think there's been some worthy questions. Sue, worthy's out of the boot, Justin Wells reported. If it's if it's Phil Samee, uh Texas had in-home with Phil Samee last night. 
uh, Sarkeesian, Blake Gideon, Billy Napier, uh, Austin Armstrong, D coordinator and a new DB coach uh, hire whenever that's announced Sunday or Monday, I suppose, or, or expected to be in McKinney for an in-home visit early next week. Uh, Texas has the official visit with Phil Simi on December 15th through 17th. I, I think th- I think Texas is in a position of strength here, and Florida is actually playing catch-up despite the kid being committed to the University of Florida publicly. Well, that's crazy. All right, uh, got one more comment here, and this one's from Christopher from Weatherford. They've committed $140 million in renovations for the to the Cotton Bowl as well. That's how they got that extension uh, to 20. It's going to take $100 million to get all the crickets out. So I don't know what they're going to do with the other 40. <laughs> I've never – I'm just here to tell you, I mean, there are more crickets than fans in the Cotton Bowl this year. Anybody <laughs> that was there knows what I'm talking about. And they got a cricket infestation? They got a cricket infestation <laughs> at the Cotton Bowl. All right, hey guys, that's going to do it for this afternoon's Longhorn live stream. We appreciate you guys coming out and hanging out with us a little bit. Uh, we'll have more uh, here on On Texas Football as well as at InsideTexas.com. Make sure you check it out over there. Get a subscription. Uh, for Jerry Hamilton and Rod Babers, uh, I'm Bobby Burton. This has been brought to you by the folks at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Guys, hook them. Have a good weekend. Thank you.